You're listening to the Sooner Scooter Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we are going to take a look back at OU Scrimmage. Plus, I had a chance to watch two OU commits go head-to-head in a high school football scrimmage this past weekend. I'll tell you all about that. We will hear from Jeff Levy. We'll hear from Austin Stogner as we take a look at the tight ends and their lack of depth. Also, we'll hear from Brent Venables, and we get the opportunity to look ahead to 2024 and check out OU's schedule. But before we go any further, take a few seconds, give us a five-star rating, and write a written review. That five-star rating helps us get our content out to more people. It elevates us on what platforms we're on. And the written review, as we like to always say, is constructive criticism. Gives you an opportunity to tell us what you want more of, what you want less of, and it always improves the podcast. Plus, if you take a screenshot of the rating and the review and you send it to our good friend Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will hook you up with a Heartland College Sports koozie. As I mentioned, I had a chance to watch two OU commits go head-to-head this past weekend in a high school football scrimmage. Two guys from the class of 2024, I might add. Bergen Kaiser, 6'4", 230 out of Evans, Santa Fe, and Joshua, I've always heard it pronounced Sosa. It's not really spilled Sosa, but I've always heard it pronounced Sosa, who's 6'3 and a half and 305, were lined up against each other when Edmond Santa Fe practiced on Friday night and then scrimmaged on Saturday night. And the two days that I had a chance to watch them, because I zeroed in on these kids, Bergen Kaiser looked more like the scholarship player than Joshua Sosa did. Now remember, Kaiser is a preferred walk-on at OU, and he's going to make up the difference in his scholarship via NIL money. Sosa accepted the scholarship offer. He committed to OU shortly after Kaiser did. And both and all this happened just a couple of weeks ago. And Kaiser a couple of times kind of tossed him around like a rag doll. Kaiser did a great job of being able to get off his blocks, get to the runners, and get to the quarterback pretty much when, whenever he wanted. Now, if you think that's alarming and you're starting to go down the road of, well, did OU give the scholarship to the wrong guy? No, don't even get that in your head. One, these guys are going to be going against each other all year long at practice. And Bergen Kaiser, if he is, in fact, the best defensive end in the state, then he should make Joshua Sosa a hell of a lot better. Now, Sosa's going to have his hands full on the first Friday night that Santa Fe plays this week, or Santa Fe plays this year, when they take on Jinx, because Jinx has a couple of kids uh, who look to be D1 prospects, and one of them's younger. One of them's a sophomore kid who's already like 6'5", that apparently Jinx puts it running back as well that you might want to keep an eye on because, oh, you sure could use him a little bit later on down the road. But I think just going against each other will make Joshua a better player than what he showed. Plus, remember, it's just one scrimmage or just a couple of practices. And any overreaction, especially to high school kids at this age, does them and you a disservice. It's one of the reasons why I'm always queasy about talking about high school kids or recruiting is because we either undervalue them or overvalue them. And we're never quite sure how they're going to react when they get on campus. You just hope that it works out for the absolute best for them, well, as well as your team. 
But both of these guys, both Kaiser and Sosa, will be in position to help OU. And I think both these guys are going to end up being pretty darn good players. Now, as for OU themselves, they had a scrimmage on Saturday. They're also having one on Wednesday. And as far as Saturday's scrimmage goes, this is from things that I've heard. All right, I've, I've sourced this out from people who were there, people that I've talked to that had the opportunity to go to this scrimmage. And the big takeaway is it was ones versus ones. And the receivers stood out. Now, I'm sure you've read the headline and read it on all Sooners that it was a mixed bag or there were mixed reactions. But the positive in all this is that the receivers were playing really well, especially Andrew Anthony, the transfer out of Michigan. And OU at this point still looking for that go-to guy at receiver if Anthony is as fast and as good as he showed at least on that Saturday, then maybe OU found their guy. That's not counting out Drake Stoops. It's not counting out uh, Farouk. It's just saying that maybe this guy might have an opportunity to help OU a little bit more than maybe we originally gave him credit for. Um, Also on on Saturday, another receiver that just uh, happened uh, to get himself noticed, not just by the media, but by the OU staff, which, again, let's face it, that's the most important thing, uh, was Nick Anderson, who scored three touchdowns. Now, you have to be careful when you're a head coach and and you start talking about this or you do ones, on, you do ones versus ones because you can run into a couple of things. The first being that, okay, so our uh, one receiver's ended up beating our one defensive backs. Does that mean that the defensive backs aren't as good as we need them to be? Or does that mean the receivers are better than they th- than we thought they would be? And the only way to really know that is to keep watching them over the next few weeks. And then the first couple of weeks of the season, that'll give you a much better indication of, of where your team is. Uh, quick, quickly, another thing I want to add real quick because I'm a little bit haphazard here. But another thing that I heard about the scrimmage that made me feel really good is that Trace Ford was actually pretty disruptive when he got his opportunity to go out there. And remember, not only is he a transfer from Oklahoma State, but he's also a guy that's been injured quite a bit during his career. So hopefully he can stay healthy, and a healthy Trace Ford is a dangerous Trace Ford. And it sounds like some OU offensive players found that out on Saturday. For more... Why don't we hear from Brent Venables, right? Let's hear from Brent Venables and hear what he had to say about last week's scrimmage. Uh, finished our ninth practice. Uh, good competitive day. Had a uh, scrimmage uh, Saturday, and it was really competitive, really good work back and forth. Big plays on both sides of the ball, and uh, really pleasing to see. You know, you can be mad at both sides or be happy with both sides. That's a, that's a great thing. So, Incredibly competitive, all good on good work, and uh, still working at you know, developing uh, depth charts and seeing who can play consistently and knows what to do and plays fast and aggressive. And uh, developing the team, I like our, our leadership. Uh, again, great strain, uh, great competition, uh, but trying to grow, continue to grow the team up. I had a uh, 114 plays, uh, not including 13. Uh, plays of special teams on uh, Saturday and it came out of it uh, uh, really relatively healthy and uh, and uh, we might have a guy here or there with a pole or something but 
uh, it was really, really good. And a lot to teach from off the tape. Far from perfect. We still got a long way to go. You know, not coach speak. We just got a lot of, we got to improve on. And uh, but we've got, again, from, from Saturday, three weeks, and every day counts. We have a week away from school starting, so we got to make all these days count. And uh, I know one member of the media who got to watch practice for about an hour this past weekend, and his sentiments pretty much echoed everything that Brent Venables just told you right there. Plus, this guy did say that the defense was wrapping up. The defense actually looked like they were improved from where they were last year. I don't know how Brent Venables feels about that. And if Brent Venables feels like they haven't improved, he's never going to say it in those words. He's just going to say things like, we need to find more playmakers. We just need to be better than what we are at this point. And that's the coach speak for, hey, you got to improve every week. But defensively, if Trace Ford is looking good, again, that's a great sign. I think the linebackers will actually be better this year once Danny Stutzman finds a running partner, as we told you last week, we expect that to be uh, Jaron Kanick. Now, the tight ends will be one place where OU is going to be thin this year. It's pretty much all Austin Stogner all the time. And if Austin Stogner goes down, OU's in trouble because you've got Jason Llewellyn, who's a sophomore this year, played in 10 games last year, and he played mostly on special teams. So he didn't really contribute all that much. And then you've got Caden Helms, who played in three games last year. Both of those guys had injuries, so they didn't have the opportunity to really develop at all during the spring. You add to that one transfer out of Cameron University, who's a basketball player, and yeah, that shoves it all on Austin Stogner's shoulders, which is good because the guy has big shoulders. The other thing that's really good is that Austin's pretty versatile, uh, he can block if needed. We obviously know that he can catch the ball, not just in the red zone, but all over the field. And as I've said before, if you have a situation at OU when it comes down to the receivers, and let's say Andrew Anthony isn't the go-to guy that we think he is right now, or Jaleel Farouk, or anybody else, Stogner may be your go-to guy. He is Dylan Gabriel's version of Travis Kelsey or George Kittle this year. And according to Jeff Levy, He's good with that. He's good with Austin Stogner being in camp. And I think mostly, as you can hear here, he's pretty thankful that Austin Stogner is in camp. Have you ever in your career coached a situation like Stogner, guy who's been a place, played a bunch, left, played, came back? Yeah, no, this this is, a, this is a first for sure. I think that's part of kind of what's going on with football right now, like we had talked about the other day. But Stog is a, he's a guy that loves Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I know he's dang happy to be back. He's excited about the year he's going to have. Is it is it not as strange for you since you weren't here two years ago to see the original? I mean, maybe so, but I think everybody in that locker room has always loved Stock, you know, and, and when he came back, I think everybody was excited about that. And there's a lot of transition, a lot of things happening, and people made decisions based on whatever they needed to make a decision on, and having him back, we're dang glad that he is, you know, so it's uh, it's been good. Could you think of a better scenario, essentially, you lose Braden Willis, pick up the guy that started over him before yeah. he came back? No, again, he's uh, we're, we're, we're dang glad that he's back. 
uh, without a doubt. He's got to continue to, again, work himself into a great shape, you know, just from playing a bunch of snaps. Uh, but he'll do that. Can you use him as versatile as you did Brady Willis? Yeah, I think you got to do some things a little differently, but you can absolutely use him in, in a, a big-time way uh, in the throw game, in the run game, being able to create a lot of different pictures because he so, is so intelligent. And, and he's a mis- mismatch for guys, you know, so he's a, he's a guy that we'll use uh, a bunch of different ways. One guy I forgot to mention was Daniel Parker, uh, who came in from Texas A&M. But he's mostly a blocking tight end. I find that kind of cool. In in a day and age where tight ends want to catch and be receivers more than they want to be traditional tight ends, this is a guy that actually wants to block and and says that he is the best blocking tight end in the country. I I don't know how many scholarship offers that get you. Obviously, it got you two. It got you one to A&M and one to Oklahoma. I'm not sure that that gets you in the NFL, but it's nice to see somebody has that mentality. And speaking of blocking, here is Austin Stogner, the man himself, and he's saying that he thought OU had its best day blocking during Saturday's scrimmage. Uh, it went good. We had our best blocking day from a blocking standpoint, and uh, you know, it was live, so we finally running backs got to hit the holes and, and go. So you know, I think it was good. Um, yeah. Getting the run game going is so important. Jeff's talked about that and things like that. You feel like this team's going to run the ball? Yes, sir. Yeah, this is this this whole line is one of the best I've played with for sure. Um, they're really, really good. And so we can be a great addition to that with the tight ends and then the run sets up the pass. So. I guess the good news about depth is that everybody in college football is thin somewhere. There, there isn't a single college football team on the planet that doesn't have some position that they're a little freaked out about if their one guy goes down. And and part of that is transfer portal. The other part of that is the 25, you know, the, the 25 initial offer limit that that college has put in place since I guess what is that since the early 90s? I mean, with that, that was going to that was going to create a situation where you thought things were going to be more even. But you now add that to the transfer portal, and when guys don't feel like they're getting enough playing time, they bug out, and it just absolutely rakes your depth. So, if you are a big fan of the NFL and you wanted parity, well, here it is in college football. OU's fall schedule for 2024 was released. Of course, fall schedule. I'm saying it like they're they're going to freaking class. Well, I guess they could go to class. I'm saying it like they're a college student. No, this, the, the 2024 football schedule was released, and it's official. OU has its four non-con opponents for the 2024 schedule. They include Temple, Houston, Tulane, and then Maine. Now, OU will play Temple on Saturday, August the 31st. They got Houston the week after that on September the 7th and Tulane on the 14th. Every date on OU's SEC schedule, and from OU's schedule from there on out, is the to-be-determined. And if you were to just go to FBS schedules or if OU had their full slate of schedules, you take a, or their full slate of games on their website, you would see that the main Black Bears would be OU's last game. That, that's how it's, it's printed out and looked. But that's how it's printed out to look. But since it is all to be determined, it doesn't necessarily mean that Maine won't end up as a sandwich game, which is the whole reason you schedule somebody like Maine is because you want to play them in a week uh, where maybe you're playing South Carolina and Tennessee. That that That's where you want to play Maine. 
So how could OU schedule possibly turn out? If everything is is to be determined, well, let's go ahead and take some possible candidates off the schedule for that last game of the year. Missouri won't be that last game of the year. Chances are they'll play Arkansas in the last game of the year because that's become a quote-unquote rivalry game. South Carolina's got Clemson. Tennessee's got Vandy. We all know that Ole Miss will play Mississippi State on Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe LSU... Because LSU has been playing AM on Thanksgiving, but since Texas and AM are back playing each other for the annual rivalry, it feels like that, w- that game would be moved towards that Thanksgiving Day weekend. And think about it for a second in 2024 if, you, if in fact, you're the SEC. And I think Georgia plays Georgia Tech. That weekend, Florida plays Florida State. So you've got some like non-con rivalries that happen. But think about this for a second if you're the uh, if you're the SEC. If OU goes there and does anything, anything worth writing home about in the SEC, and you could put that LSU game at the end of the year, you might have a weekend where you have the Iron Bowl, you've got AM Texas. You've got the Egg Bowl, and then you can cap it all off with Oklahoma and LSU. While not a rivalry, if Oklahoma's good and LSU's good, you're talking about two of the most historically significant schools in the history of college football that would get an opportunity to go head-to-head. I'm not sure how all that's going to play out. It could play out that the schedule, as you look at it now visually, plays out like it is, and OU finishes the season off with Maine which is also fine because if OU ends up making the playoffs, what better way to get ready for the playoffs than beat up on an FCS school? However, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maine wasn't any good last year. Maine may not make the playoffs. Hell, they may be too beat to hell to want to play OU in that last game of the year. All that, again, still has yet to be determined. But I love where OU went in the non-COD, adding Houston as your group, Houston as your power five, and then three group of five games because when you're going to play LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, all in the same year, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think if you get a little bit of a break, that that should suffice. Finally, I want to wrap things up uh, by criticizing Kenny Gajewski, former OU baseball player, current softball coach at Oklahoma State, who made some pretty asinine comments about pitcher Kelly Maxwell's defection from Stillwater to Norman. And the reason I call these comments asinine is because they sound like they're coming from a sports radio call-in guest. Okay, when I say call-in guest, I mean caller. Not somebody you would interview. I'm talking about I'm talking about Bill and Walton or uh, Dave uh, out here at Wagner. Dave and Wagner, I'm calling up. And I just want to say that... Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, Kelly, uh, she all went to OU because she lost everything she's ever done here. Uh, go Pokes! No, 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 no. You are the coach of the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. And it doesn't matter that Kelly Maxwell transferred to OU. For you to say, and he's the one who said it. It wasn't Bill or Dave from Wagner who made that comment or John from Poto, it was Kenny Gajewski who said she lost everything that she had at Oklahoma State just because she went to OU. That's like me saying Kevin Durant lost everything he did in Oklahoma City 
because he went to Golden State, which is crap. Everything that Kevin Durant accomplished in Oklahoma City still was accomplished in Oklahoma City. And even though Durant may have forfeited his right to have his jersey hang in the banners or have it hang in the banners maybe a little bit later than what he thinks he deserves, what he accomplished in OKC, he accomplished. Going to Golden State doesn't diminish that. Does it make us angry at him? Sure, it did. Will Kelly Maxwell leaving OSU for Oklahoma make Oklahoma State fans mad? Sure, Trace Ford's making them mad right now. I mean, but hey, it's OU. It's the Southeastern Conference, or I guess it's still the Big 12 Conference. But if you feel like you've got a better chance to compete for a championship, and certainly you do in softball at OU than you do OSU, then by all means, make the, you know make that move. The rules are set up. I don't necessarily like it. Kenny Gajewski doesn't have to like it. But to be better and say that she's lost everything from when she was there, Nah, dude, don't don't make your don't make yourself sound like um, Dan and Little Axe calling one day just to complain about something. Use your head. You're, you're better than that, Kenny Gajewski, or maybe you're not. And, and and maybe Patty Gasso and you should just continue to kick your ass. All right, that finally wraps things up today, or that wraps things up. We will be back uh, next week. We'll break down another position group. I think this time we're going to go defensive backs. Why not? Uh, It's another one of those positions I think we all got questions about, so we'll try and break them down. Until next week, this is Eric G. saying, snooch to the nooch.